0: Everyone, and welcome back to Cedar and Cypress Podcast. This is Allison and this is Liv. And today we have an awesome episode planned for you. We're going to be talking all about identity and the identity crisis that a lot of America seems to be going through right now. Uh, But before we get into that and all that great stuff that we have planned, Liv, what was the best part of your week?
1: You know what? We just discussed what question we we're going to ask on this episode. And I was like, well, let's do favorite part of the week without realizing that I have not, I have no idea what I did this week.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I have those weeks for sure. I mean, I can go first. Okay. You go first.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking.
0: <laughs> yes. All right. So best part of my week was Sunday afternoon. We had a bunch of friends over for a game night and we did board games slash card games and we also play jackbox i don't know if you've ever heard of that before
1: oh yes i love (laughs) that isn't that like the the app that you can get and like you play things on your tv but you like use your phone yes to play that it's so that is
0: exactly what it is and it's really fun because you don't have to do instructions like explain the game the the game explains itself and then everyone can participate with their phones which it's just a really easy and cool way to play games so we did that and we played a card game as well called chameleon which is really fun but it's essentially a game where there's like it's almost kind of like mafia but there's one person that's the odd one out and everyone else in the group has to like figure um. it out so it was really fun and i don't know people were over for a long time it was a really really good game night. So that'd probably be my favorite part of my week.
1: That sounds really fun. Yeah. I love games like that, but I hate being the one person that's singled out. Me too. It's like when anyone else... Yeah. Like when anyone else but me is like the one person, like the, the it person, if you will, that I'm like, oh, this is so funny and entertaining. But whenever it has to be me, I'm like, I hate this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got the... I got the card. I kept being dealt the card where I was chameleon. I'm the odd one out, and you have to fake it till you make it. And people are supposed to guess who.
1: I think they didn't catch me.
0: They didn't catch me. They only caught me, I think, one time. And I got the card like five times, and I was so proud of myself that I could fool everybody. So that was like a highlight that that was a shining moment for me. You're just
1: super stealthy, just too good, too good, too good, too good, too smooth. How um, about you? Yeah, okay. I think I have one now. It really took me a, a good moment there to like be like, "What in the heck did I do this week?" <laughs> and this past weekend, I remember now. So, um, okay, I think the the best part of my week was probably Sunday night as well actually. Um so we my uh in-laws had like a just kind of like a, a dinner um to honor like the hard work that our team has put into uh the young adult ministry that um my husband leads and that I help him with. Um and so it was just so, so nice. Like, so nice of them. And they just made it, like, such a a beautiful night of just, like, making everyone, you know, feel so appreciated. And they, like, got, um, you know, really good appetizers. They got, like, a sushi tray for everyone. And that was, like, the appetizer. Um, And then we had, like, chicken and dumplings. And we had apple crisp. And, like, it was just a really, really good time to, like, first of all, just all be together and, like, really just spend time with our team of people because they're such incredible individuals who just, like, genuinely love the Lord. And, like, you just know when you when you hang out with people that have such a genuine love of Christ um, and your time together with them is just so, like, uplifting every time and so you just leave always feeling so refreshed like no matter you know what's going on and um even if you're not like talking about anything that has to do with like faith or anything like which usually it gets there at some point with us but just like (laughs) um but even if you're just like playing a game or just like something like that it just feels so uplifting because it's just like everything that you talk about is like i don't know wholesome i guess which sometimes is not the case in certain groups of people, which is just how it goes. But um, yeah, so it was just like really refreshing. And um, it was really, really nice of his parents to do that for them and everything too. So um, yeah, so I just appreciated all that. And that was definitely the the best part of my week. I love that. Anyways, we're going to jump into our topic for today. Like I
0: mentioned at the top of this episode, we are going to be talking all about identity which is kind of a hot topic right now in our culture. There's a lot of loss of identity, I think, that we're going through. But when it really comes down to it, identity is an essential facet of our spiritual and our earthly lives. So both. Everything that we believe about our world really just boils down to who we think we are and who we think God is. And when we operate with warped realities or broken realities about who God is or who we are, The burden of making sense of our world and then also seeking who we are really falls on us. So, when we truly believe who we are in Christ and we live into that, we're actually liberated from fear and from striving to be, you know, someone that we want to be or achieve what we want to. And when we just accept who God reveals Himself to be, even when it's really hard to see that or hard to feel like that is true. And then how we accept how he defines us, we we actually experience so much freedom. A.W. Tozer said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. So when we accept our identity in Christ as true royals and heirs with him in an eternal inheritance, we are freed from trying to manufacture three really critical things. And those three things are security, satisfaction, and significance. We love alliteration. And as humans, we love for the we long for these three things, the security and satisfaction significance. We are wired for these things. We're created that way. And so that's a great thing. But when we seek to find these things and what is created rather than the actual creator himself, is when we experience a complete loss of identity and we live in realities that aren't really truly realities. So we wanted to jump into those things, and we kind of wanted to start with the first one, which is security. So if Liv, you can kind of give us some information on that and give us a starting off point for security.
1: Yeah. So I think with each of these categories, with um, security, satisfaction, and significance, we wanted to kind of present a truth about them um, and just go from there on talking about each one. So um, the truth that we had for security is that you are insecure and unstable by yourself, but with God, we are tethered to eternal hope and security in our soul's final destination. Honestly, sometimes it's really hard to face ourselves and who we truly are, um, especially, you know, knowing who we are without Christ. Like we are honestly completely depraved and, like utterly sinful. So it sometimes that's a very hard thing to face um, and to really come to terms with on our own. Um, and honestly, one of our greatest fears is that if people truly knew us deep down, they wouldn't like us or might even hate us. Um, if we're being honest apart from God, we're nothing. Um, And I know this is something I experience, honestly, on a regular basis. It's just kind of like wondering, like, if people like me or, um, you know, how many walls can I really take down before someone sees the real me and, like, doesn't want to talk to me anymore or, like, doesn't want anything to do with me anymore, like, just things like that. Um, Like, even just the other day, I was talking to my husband about that very thing and just kind of saying that, like... Sometimes I miss the friends that I grew up with because sometimes I feel like I can't really or like I don't want to open up completely to the friends that like live around me right now because it's just kind of like. Yeah, but at the same time, like they know me in different contexts. And like I don't know if I want to like let them in all the way. And that seems scary to me. And like it's just scary to be vulnerable a lot of times. Um, because it is really hard to like face who we truly are. Um, because again, apart from Christ, we're nothing. Um, and James one, five through seven says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without Reproach and it will be given him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, he is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. This kind of tells us, you know, who we are <laughs> without Christ, um, and just where we're at. So it's not that we don't have you know, value in any way or that, like, we're not worth anything or anything like that. But it's just the fact that sometimes it is easy to become insecure about um, just the doubts that we have and the things that we might not like, you know, about ourselves.
0: And I mean, it's also because we have we have good and bad days when it comes to feeling secure in our identity and who we really are. I think that there's days that we feel great about that and we feel very secure in Christ or we feel great about ourselves and confident. But I think there's a lot of days that we don't feel that way. And so those days are really the challenges. And what I also yeah. wanted to speak to is the fact that culture really tells us that our identity is based on our feelings and based on our emotions and that Depending how you feel on a certain day, that completely changes who you are inherently and at the core of your being. And that's just not true because honestly, our feelings about ourselves change on a day to day. Honestly, sometimes for me, a moment by moment basis, they're good like they, I'll feel great in the morning. And by the afternoon, I'm I'm out on myself. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's not something that's stable. Like that. But like that passage from James, the way that we feel about ourselves, it's a completely unstable and insecure foundation to place ourselves on. So when we put we put that responsibility on ourselves to define ourselves and our identity, we just have no way to weather the storms of life when they come our way. If we don't have a foundation on God, we just kind of fall apart at the first thing that kind of strikes at our identity or takes a punch at it, like for example, if someone were to stop being your friend, or you know they find out something about you and they don't want to be your friend anymore, we take that. We could take that as a huge hit to our mm-hmm. identity and to feel like it has somehow altered our value at the most inherent level. When the truth is that ultimately somebody else doesn't get to decide how valuable I am. God only does that. But when we place that in other people, or we put the responsibility on ourselves to get people to like us. It's just such an unstable foundation. And so when Mm -hmm. when things take a whack at your identity, you just feel like your value is being destroyed. And then if that happens over a long period of time, that just destroys your self-esteem. Yeah. Matthew 7, 24, 28 says, Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So this is Jesus speaking and he's saying, if you don't, if you don't put your foundation on me, you have no room to stand. And it's going to be essentially as if you built an entire building on an unstable foundation. And Mm -hmm. so when a storm of life comes, you're going to be completely destroyed. And he says, great was the fall. So if you find yourself in that position, it's not going to be like a little tripping. It's going to feel like a huge hit.
1: Right. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, like if our security lies in things that are um, temporary, you know, then it's, it's easy for... Um, those things to fall out from beneath us. Um, And then, yeah, it really does feel like you're starting from rock bottom because you've built a foundation on something that can't stand. Um, Whereas, you know, when you find that security and you find you build that foundation on Christ um, as well as finding your identity in him, um, you can continue to build off of that because it's not something that's going to fall away um, because, you know, Jesus is eternal. <laughs> he's, um, he's transcendent and he's, I mean, so many other things, all powerful, all knowing, um, all present, you know, et cetera. So, um, refer to not- our first episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Throw back to our first episode, if you want to know more about that, but, um, yeah, he's, he's not something that's going to wither away with time or, um, with pressure or, you know, Any type of erosion from anything. Like he doesn't wither away from any of that. So he's, you know, where you can find true security.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the exact opposite of our self worth. Like we let little things chip away at it and we let it erode slowly by like the storms of this life. And I also wanted to add that it's not just if people like you or not. That's an example of an unstable thing to put your identity in. Right. But it's so many other things like your emotions or your financial situation. We were doing a like Wednesday night equipping series at our church. And we had one night where we kind of talked about what things are you putting your value in or what things may you be idolizing and putting in God's place and expecting to give you security and satisfaction and significance. And I wrote like financial my financial situation. It gives me this like blanket of security that is it feels very real, but it's honestly just kind of a mirage because God gives and God takes. And were I to have $20,000 today or lose it tomorrow or $100,000 and lose it tomorrow, God would still be the same. But we have to recognize the way that we allow that to affect the way we feel about ourselves. Like I feel good about myself or I have a sense of pride when I have a lot of money in the bank because I feel secure. I think I'm smart. Or I'm wise, but for you know yeah. managing the money well. But it's all God's resources, and the only way I can manage it is with His help. Mm-hmm. And the everything that I have is what He's given. So it's not just if people like you, but it's also financial or material. There's a lot of different things that we can find ourselves putting our identity and value in.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's just like one, one circumstance of the many, like a bajillion. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just to give an example, like that's, that's kind of one way you could think about it, but, um, yeah. in our, our second part, we wanted to talk about satisfaction. Um, so the truth that we wanted to add to this topic is just that without God, you'll never be satisfied. You will work and labor, strive and try fall and fail. And anything you do that lacks his presence or approval, um, that might sound harsh, you know, it's a little, little pointed, little blunt, Um, But honestly, even if you achieve success by the world's standards, you still have nothing in the light of eternity. Um, Honestly, you'll still long to be fulfilled and have none of it. (laughs) You won't really have anything that truly, deeply, forever satisfies. Um, Anything honestly on this earth that we think might satisfy or that the world tells us will satisfy or culture tells us will satisfy is ultimately fleeting um, and never will it might for a moment, um, you know, in whatever need we're trying to meet in that, you know, second, but as soon as it's over. You'll hunger again, you know, you'll thirst again and. Um, For example, we think about how the Israelites rebuilt their broken homes and the ruins of their life. Haggai 1, 5 through 9 says, now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Um, so basically like in this verse, he's talking to, you know, Israelites who are rebuilding the, their, their city and their homes. Um, but basically he's just saying like, you're doing this, but you're doing it all for yourselves. Like you're doing it all for nothing. You're doing it for selfish ambition. Um, while my house and he's talking about the temple lies in ruins. Um, and it's just, it's just a reminder that when we do things to amount to our own success or our own pleasure, our own passions, um, and they're not things that are ultimately glorifying to the Lord or that we've been called to, or that we know that he's placed on our heart to do um, for his glory. It ultimately amounts to nothing. Um, so in that, our true satisfaction lies in, in serving God, in fulfilling his, his purpose here on earth, in you know being a part of the Great Commission and going out and building his kingdom here on earth. Um, you know, during our time that we're here. Like that is truly what life is about. And so when we are doing that, um, and I mean that sounds like a huge feat, obviously it is, but like that comes down to how we live our lives day to day and how we do things and how we approach things with an attitude of uh gratefulness, which we're actually gonna be talking about in our next episode, um, and how we serve the Lord just through every little thing that we're presented, every opportunity that we're presented. Um So honestly, like true satisfaction comes in, in serving your purpose for God. And that's not to say like, you have to do more, like, that's what, you know, that's what your life is about. Like, this isn't a salvific thing. It's just more saying that like, when you are truly walking according to what God has called you to, that's how you can find satisfaction in, in Christ. And maybe in the day to day, just knowing like, I'm doing this for the glory of God, um, and because of my love for him, because of the fact that I want to glorify him as, you know, his his son or his daughter, um, as someone who has been called according to, you know, his, his purpose, we find satisfaction in that because that's what we were made for, <clears throat> ultimately.
0: And it's not to say that the things that we want to pursue in this life are bad things. Like the Israelites were rebuilding their homes after their city had been completely destroyed. And that's a good thing to want a home and a roof over your head. That's a perfectly normal and reasonable thing to want and to work toward. But God was calling them out on the fact that they weren't concerned with his presence in their lives. And Mm -hmm. the temple is where he dwelt in their city. For us now living under the new covenant after Jesus Christ, that's our hearts, that's our soul. Like this Holy Spirit enters and lives within us when we accept Christ. And so the point, the principle here is the same. If we're not building God's kingdom and building relationship with Him in our hearts, every single thing that we build outside of that is going to wither away. It's going to just, when the rain comes, like that passage from Matthew, it's just going to be gone. All that hard work that we put in, especially when we're talking about in the context of our sense of self-worth and our sense of value and identity, when we seek ultimate value in those things, when they wither away, and we know they will because they're earthly things and this earth passes away, you can't take your riches to heaven with you. You can't take your accomplishments with you to heaven. None of your trophies are going with you. None of your money, none of that stuff is going with you. And so- you think about the fact that the Israelites were being told, hey, you don't seem to be concerned with the fact that God's not present in anything that you're doing. And, and those are really crazy words that are that God is saying there through Haggai in that passage that you read. It's essentially saying everything that you've done came to nothing. Like you, he who earns wages puts them in a bag with holes. <laughs> That's about as useless as what you're doing. And so we want you guys to kind of see that it's, it's okay to, to want those earthly things and to work toward them, but if they're in the absence of God or if they haven't been approved by God, then you're just striving for nothing. You're going to feel empty at the end of it. You're going to feel like you've put money in your spiritual bank account just for it to have holes at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just going to feel empty. And it doesn't necessarily mean that if what you are working towards isn't turning out, that that means that God is punishing you. That's not the message that we want you to walk away with, that if something isn't fruitful in your life, that God is punishing you because that type of message has been used to abuse people and hurt people in the church for a really long time. But what it does mean is that if you are experiencing frustration, it might be God is indicating to you and helping you see that what you're working towards, is not it's not working the way that you're doing it because you're experiencing disappointment and your expectations aren't being met Mm-hmm. God is allowing you to experience the consequences of failing to follow him in all your ways and to build your life on his kingdom. Like I mentioned, doing anything without him is meaningless and fruitless. And it can even be evil because you're looking towards your own fame and glory here on this earth rather than his name being honored and praised and building His your relationship with him in your heart. Romans 1 tells us all about this. I would really encourage you guys to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read an excerpt here, verses 24 and 25, which says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. And it goes on actually to repeat this and explain more. Paul goes on to explain that more and give context for it. But the principle of this verse is that God will allow you to experience the consequence of your sin because he wants you to see how that is hurting you and to turn back to him. So mm-hmm. He, there are circumstances like in Haggai's particular case where God was punishing them And that might be what you're experiencing, but at the same time, God might just let you be experiencing the frustration of not following Him and how that's really not working out very well for you. And that's exactly what Apostle Paul is talking about here in this passage of Romans. He gave them over to it because they were darkened in their understanding and they pursued things that were not of God. And so he was like, All right, well, that's what you want. I'm going to let you guys have it. And you know, once you figured out that that's not how it works and you're not going to be fulfilled or satisfied by that, God's going to be waiting right there when you turn back from that.
1: Just to like further clarify, um, the, the story that we were just talking about in Haggai about the Israelites is in the... Um, Old Testament, whereas Romans is in the New Testament. So these are two different covenants that the people were under. Um, In the Old Testament, the covenant that the the Israelites and the people of God were under, um, basically God had to be present with them in the temple because they didn't have the same mediation as the covenant of the new testament um which is you know the sacrifice that jesus made on the cross in that time it was like if you had done something sinful if you had sinned against the law of god that was the covenant that you were under and so it was perfectly right and just for god to punish you um and that's why they needed to do like animal sacrifices and things like that to cover their sin whereas in the new testament all of that punishment, all of that wrath was, um, put onto Jesus in his perfect sacrifice, um, the sacrifice for all of our sin, um, in that one, one moment, one time, one event, um, in history. So, um, that is like important to know just like the difference between those two, um, and just that in regards to like God punishing his people, um, and all of that. Um, and that's how we know, you know, now it's like, if something is, not going the way we want, or something seems like it's unfair. Like that's not God punishing you. Um, like your sins were already paid for. And Paul even says um, in a different chapter of Romans, um, he's talking about in Romans five about the grace of God and that it's just boundless. Um, and so at the beginning of Romans six, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace about may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin still live in it? So yes, like Jesus has covered all those things, but obviously that's not an excuse to go on sitting. Basically, it's what he's saying there. But yeah, so I just wanted to clarify those things. And then the only other thought that I had too was just that sometimes our, our changing of a circumstance just in regard to like feeling discontented with um, something or feeling like there's a consequence to something um, might not look like the circumstance itself or the physical situation changing. It might look like our heart's changing or attitude towards something changing. Um, For instance, like we've talked before, me and Allison have talked about our, our vocations and the things that we would like to be doing and the things that we currently are doing. And it's like, God didn't drop the ball on where we're at in our lives right now. He placed us here for a reason. And so in that, should we sit here and continue to like pout and have pity for ourselves and be angry about like where we're at, even though we'd rather be doing something else? No. And when we did do that, you know, we both kind of explained that it just ended up having all these negative effects on our lives because we were like just ungrateful and we were sad all the time. And we were, you know, just kind of disgruntled about every little thing that would happen at work and stuff, just because it was like, I don't want to be here right now. I don't want to be doing this. Whereas that's kind of the consequence of that sin in that way, because it's like, it's just hurting ourselves, you know, whereas like, the situation changing in that context might look like our heart posture is changing and being like, I am grateful that I have this job because I'm grateful that I'm able to help take care of my family. And I'm grateful that God provided me this opportunity. And I'm grateful that God let me learn all of these things through this situation, even though I don't necessarily want to be in it. So. Just kind of wanted to say that. Like it might not look like a situation necessarily changing in a physical sense, but it might look like your heart changing.
0: Right. And even, even when God does change the circumstance, if he so grants that, if that's what you know is in his plan for us, a lot of times the timeline is even way longer than we think it's gonna be.
1: At least yeah. for or me just I, different.
0: Oh yeah. Like he completely subverts our expectations in the best way. The Apostle Paul says this, I think in Philippians that he does infinitely more than we can expect. So, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, you know, I don't like my job, I'd like to be doing something else. But he just takes that and like completely flips that around in so many different ways. So, for me personally, I was finding a lot of my significance in how well my job was turning out and if I was getting any opportunities for promotion or if I was getting interviews for job applications and I was finding my significance in those things I was saying if I was good enough or if I was like if I pushed hard enough then I would deserve those things I will have earned those things whether it was a promotion or a better job or something like that and I truly do believe still that I will eventually be in a different job but God has ended up having me here way longer at this job than I thought I would be. And that's just mm-hmm. the reality of it. And in that time, what has he used to transform so many things within me? That job. He right. helped me completely change my attitude on it and see like how my issues with my job were affecting my marriage and my relationships around me because Mm -hmm. all that negativity was spewing out of me onto people who were around me. So he convicted me so much of my complaining and my ungratefulness and my faithlessness. But then he also decided, hey, I'm going to use that as an opportunity to make your marriage better and to make your communication skills better and to make your emotional management better. And all I ever wanted was a new job. But then he was like, No, I'm going to change your heart in so many ways, ways that are going to benefit you later on in your other relationships, or you can carry that to your next vocation, or wherever I decide to have you. So I was looking for my significance in those things. And he said, No, I'm I'm going to change these things about your heart so you can really see how significant I am. Mm-hmm. And I, in that, I'm glorified in you. So that's just one example. But yeah. That's where I found my satisfaction eventually was just the fact that I work for God and no one else.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes God will just change your heart in a situation so that you can ultimately find your satisfaction in him and not in the things that are around you. Yeah. Um, and I think like kind of based on what you were saying too, like satisfaction and significance tend to go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, so kind of going off of that, like into our last point on significance. Um, you know, if we're satisfied. Well, a lot of times, if we feel like we're significant in something or we feel like we have found significance, we also feel like we found satisfaction and vice versa. Um, And so we wanted to share the truth about significance is that we're meant to find it. Um, find significance and meaning in relationships because God made us out of his outflowing love and communion between the Trinity. Um, but the problem arrives when we see significance in the created rather than the creator himself. So there are lots of things in this life that we can find significance in. you know. And one of the most beautiful parts of that is in different relationships, whether that be friendships or family or people in our church, um, our church family. Sorry if you just heard my dog barking. Um
0: <laughs> howling her
1: howling. Yeah, I have a I have a Coonhound dog if you didn't know and so she only has one bark and it's loud. Ooh. So <laughs> um but anyways, so um yeah, God gives us those things um, to find significance in, but at the same time, like ultimately, what we find significance in is the creator himself. Um, Genesis 1:26 26 says, um, then God said, let us make man in our image after her likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Um, so basically, God didn't need us. You know, there was nothing about God that needed us. There was no void within him that he said, I need to fill this. Um, In all honesty, he created us because of the communion that was within himself already in the Trinity. There was an overflow of love there, an outpouring of that in which he created humanity. Um, so he didn't need us, but he wanted us. He chose us to, to know him, to follow him, to find salvation in him, you know, for those of us who, who truly know him and the very fact that we're created in his image itself gives us significance. Um, so, you know, he's, he's blessed us with extra things like relationships to find significance in just like his relationship and his communion, um, within the Trinity. Um, and with us, honestly, thankfully, he allows us to commune with him too. Um, but ultimately, like our significance is found in him, just like our su- uh, satisfaction and our security.
0: Isn't it kind of crazy that just by being, we are significant, like just yeah. by existing because of who we were created by and that we are the most significant and valuable type of being that's ever been created on earth and ever will be because we're made in imago Dei so I mean when you really when you truly understand that all these things that we chase after it's kind of like why do we even bother (laughs) like why do we even bother (laughs) chasing after all these things that we think are going to make us feel important there's a lot of things that can make you feel important. I think everybody wants to feel important in some way and to feel needed and to feel wanted by other people. That's Mm -hmm. really where we derive our value in our relationships and where we find our importance in our social circles. And wherever we find ourselves, Mm -hmm. we find that kind of niche of like, what makes people want to be around us and what makes us a valuable asset to our work and what makes us interesting to our friends, like all those things But to God, you're valuable just because he made you. You're valuable because you're breathing and you're here and you're existing because he loved you and he formed you and he wanted you to be here on this earth. So the great thing about that is then you're free to do the good works, not so that you can become important because you're already important and you want everyone else to know that same Mm -hmm. thing. And so it changes the way that the Christian lives, like before you're a Christian then after you're a Christian, there's like a completely different mindset that you have on doing good and important things because now you do them because you know how important you are and you want everybody else to understand that same thing that you don't have to earn that mm-hmm. and Jesus did it all for you and imparts that righteousness to you. So I can't stress enough. I feel like if I keep saying it, I'll just be repeating myself, but. Just by existing, you're important. You don't have to earn that and you don't need anybody else besides God to tell you that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think one of the craziest things is that just by being on this earth, you are mirroring the most important being in all of existence. Yeah. Um, and that in and of itself has, has significance. And so honestly, just by doing that, it's like you want others to see him and we already mirror him just by being created by him and in his image. So like, because of that, I think the world likes us to think that we have to achieve something in order to be significant yeah. and or in order to find any type of satisfaction. And then, you know, security kind of stems from that as well. Like, well, you've achieved this and you, you've made a life for yourself. You've made a name for yourself. So now you have security in that. Um, whereas, it's kind of the opposite when it comes to God because we already have security. We already have significance in Him because we were made in His image and because of who He is. And then because of that, we can find our satisfaction in him. Um, you know, so it's kind of like we're we're flowing outward from a cup that's already full instead of like building up from an empty cup to make something of ourselves, if you will. Um, because we're already made in his image. And that's not to say like, wow, we're so great. Like, we're so awesome. And like, we're just everything. But, <laughs> but it's to say that that's important because of who we emulate, because of who we mirror, because of who we represent in this world, and because of who provides those those things to us, that significance, that satisfaction, that security, so that we can then make his name known to other people.
0: I like that you that. added that. It doesn't mean that, like, we're this. We should have this inflated sense of self, like we're the best, mm-hmm. which would cause us to mistreat other people or to mistreat other types of beings that God created, like animals, for an example. So it's not to give this idea, oh, like we're so important and so great that for to our own end, like for our own pleasure. It's actually to the end of God being glorified, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to add one more thing onto that is that you being had nothing to do with you. You had no choice in the matter. You were just created. Mm-hmm. Like yes, of course you were created by physical means, but God orchestrated all of that. Psalm 139 says, "For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well." Mm-hmm. So again, it be like you existing and being began with a choice that God made to create you. You didn't have any control over like you existing at all. And what that also means is that since you being born hasn't changed now suddenly that the rules haven't suddenly changed that now you're able to control your circumstances and your value and your satisfaction so that you can find significance. It, and it started with God and it's going to end with God. He's the alpha and omega. So you're you're in the middle of that and it's awesome that you get to be in the middle of that and that we get to be part of that, but God started it. God will end it. Same with your life. And so all that thing in the middle, you don't have to worry about trying to earn or control your significance. And that's really, really cool that we don't have control over that. Because again, like I mentioned, that just completely liberates us from trying to earn and be good enough and important enough.
1: The main thing about the Christian life that is just such a weight lifted off our shoulders is that we could never earn it. You know, we could never earn our salvation or the grace that we've been given or the love that we've been given. Um, and yet God has shown us mercy and grace and love time and time again. Um, so I, I think that's about all we have on this topic. Um, but we hope that this encouraged you and we hope that this, um, just kind of gave you something to think about, something to pray about, something to to dwell on, um, I would really encourage you to look at some of the verses that we presented, um, specifically maybe the ones in Romans. I would read Romans 1, Romans 5, Romans 6, um, and Romans 8. Honestly, all of those. Well, just the whole thing. Just read Romans. We've said it once. We'll say it again. Perfect <laughs> advocates. Just read it. <laughs> Romans advocacy podcast. <laughs> Honestly, though, we could have a whole podcast just on Romans. So, um, yes, definitely read that. It's always been encouraging to my heart um, because it, it just, you know, emulates the details of the gospel so well on that entire book does. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's all we have time for. If you guys haven't heard our last couple of episodes, definitely feel free to go ahead and check those out. Stay tuned for next time. We're going to be talking about gratefulness because it's almost Thanksgiving. Woohoo! So that's my favorite holiday in case you can't tell. But yeah, and feel free to follow us on Instagram. You can find us at Cedar and Cypress Pod and we will see you next time.